Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. In a few sentences, can you tell us who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, so um, my name is Danny Norden, and I'm a director of experience design at Athena Health. Um, I work in the services and tasks zone, um, which governs all of the core ordering workflows and results and work management for our most complex order types, um, surgeries, procedures, referrals, that kind of thing in our clinical ZHR. Um, I also teach part-time at Northeastern um, in the uh, College of Professional Studies. I teach a course called Information Technology and the Creative Practice, um, which I like to call Design Thinking for Emerging Technologies. Nice. So I'm not going to make any references to BC today, but my dad's a graduate of Northeastern. And so, nice. Awesome. But I got a lot more cousins that went to Northeastern so, or to uh, BC. <laughs> so Oddly, I'm a Bentley Sorry. grad, so... <laughs> Um, so I'm hearing from some leaders in tech, let's just jump right into it. I'm hearing from some leaders in tech that finding diverse talent is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Um, I, well, I mean, I won't say it's easy, but I'll also say it really depends on the hiring manager and how much work you're willing to put in. Um, I think way too often it's, um, way too often what I've seen is hiring managers sort of rely on the recruiters to go out and find diverse candidates or like, you know, I mean, I even fell victim to this when I first started hiring people, I would tell my recruiters, like, I want BIPOC candidates. I want women candidates. Please don't just send me white dudes. And I would still find all of these people who just weren't really the type of person that I um, was looking for. And finally, for this last role that I hired, Um, I specifically created a role canvas, which if you've never heard of this, it's um, something I discovered in Christina Wadke's really good book, The Team That Managed Itself. And basically, it just laid out who is this person? What is this role I'm trying to hire for? What is it that they need to do? What's the experience and the skills they need to bring to the table? And then I explicitly trolled LinkedIn to find people who met, who fit that profile. So like in between that and something I'd already been doing, which was essentially spending a bit of time every week to do practice interviews and portfolio reviews with BIPOC um, designers, I ended up not only meeting some amazing people who I was able to connect with different resources, I was able to get an interview set up with um, two of the three candidates we interviewed for the role were Black women. And one of them we ended up hiring. And so my experience has been, if you're willing as the hiring manager to put in the work and you're willing to really focus on the skills and the experience and the mindset you need for the job, you can find the people. If you're basically sitting back and and asking recruiters to flood you with resumes from a generic job description, you're not really going to get that result. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I mean, that's, that's been my, my personal experience as well. When we're looking to fill roles, if we talk to um, what I call recruiters, outside partners, and we ask them, can you surface some folks for us to talk to, then they surface a lot of white males for us. And while that's great, and I, and I want to talk to those and have those conversations, 
But to your point, when I ask, like, hey, can you send us some like people that represent what we're trying to actually do? That response sometimes is like, well, we don't have that information in our database, so I don't have any way of knowing. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. hey, but how many people do you have in your in your in your pipeline? If what you're telling me is everybody that you just randomly deliver is always just a random white dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's also about your population. Exactly. Well, and not only that, like, I mean, it's also pretty well known in the research that when you are dealing with women, when you're dealing with people of color candidates, it's really often that they won't even apply for the roles because they don't feel like they qualify or they just don't feel like they're going to have a chance. And so part of my mission over the last several months has really been um, to, to give the BIPOC folks in my network as much help as I can to not only amplify their voices, but also to help them put their best foot forward and see the blind spots that they might be, they might be having, especially at the beginning of the career, because I mean, it's so hard for junior designers, no matter who you are right now. Um, But really giving them that opportunity to know how to tell a story about their work. Yeah, absolutely. So switching gears a little bit, um, what do you what do you think about the, the the move to remove the CS requirement from many software engineering roles? Like the degree is that is that really relevant these days? Oh, I think it's about time. Quite frankly, um, I so before I arrived at Athena Health, I spent multiple years in the open source community um, working in Drupal, and most of the most talented, most reliable developers I knew did not have CS degrees. Um, They either hadn't even finished their degrees or they had degrees in like, one of them had a degree in like political science. Another one had a degree in journalism. Um, You'd also be amazed at like how many designers, really talented designers have a degree that has nothing to do with design. I mean, my original degree was in theater, which I'm sure is shocking. Um. So like, I, I just think, you know, one of the things that always bristles me is this idea of like, you have to have the degree that explicitly speaks to the work that you're going to end up doing. Um, because I've just seen that not work out in so many cases. Absolutely. Yeah. I think um, from, from my perspective, um, I, when I started, so I've been writing software for like 32 years. The vast majority of folks didn't have degrees because it wasn't really a popular thing. Like when I was yeah. told, don't don't get a degree in computer science. Go to school for accounting, something that will <laughs> make make something in the in the future. And oh yeah, so it was pretty common to just have like everybody that was like really good was just good because they wrote a lot of software, not because they had a degree. They just happened to have like lots and lots of experience. And yeah, now it's shifted in a lot of, but even at the upper level. So I'm surprised by how many really senior folks I'll talk to inside organizations and they'll just like pull me aside and be like, you know, I actually don't have a degree and I'm a, you know, CTO or I'm a VP of engineering. And they're super proud of the fact that it's like, yeah, because that was just the thing around our age. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and my dad was like, I got most of my computer skills from my dad, who was a motorcycle mechanic. And it was the 70s. And if you wanted a computer, you got a hard drive and a mainframe and like you you got the motherboard or like whatever those parts are. I don't know what the parts are, but you got the thing and you built a computer. And so I grew up with my father doing that. Um, and so like, it's just, it's just one of those things. Like I always bristle at this like idea because, because obviously as a, as a former theater major, theater is always on the top of the list of useless degrees. 
And I always get so irritated by that because I'm like, excuse me, I'm a director of design. <laughs> I like that. And it's um, because of my theater degree, damn it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a way for you to, because that's a very transferable skill, right? So that's something mm-hmm. that you can use to always make sure that you can, you know, deliver your message and in a meaningful way. So I, I, I get it. Um, do you think the apprenticeship pattern would work for technical roles? Um, I think it, again, it goes back to, you got to put in the work. Um, I think that like, I have certainly seen so much value in like interns and mentoring and all of these different things. And I think it creates a really great pattern in organizations, especially ones that are, that are really focused on teaching and learning. Athena's intern uh, program is focused on finding, you know, soon to be college grads, but they come in, they work here for, you know, 10, 12 weeks. And a lot of them leave with job offers um, because they actually get into the code and they're working with it. I think one of the things that can sometimes happen is that the people who end up having to mentor the apprentice, the, the apprentices or the interns Um, you know, certainly it's a bigger time commitment and it takes them off of like writing code day to day. So, you know, that is something that you have to be aware of. But what I've seen in practice is that if you're willing to take that small hit in productivity, it pays dividends, not only for the company, but for the people doing the mentoring. Um, because there are a ton of really senior ICs who really want to coach and mentor people, but don't want to manage day to day. And it gives them an opportunity to like, I think about this when I'm teaching all the time, I'm always learning something interesting for my students and like seeing them come up with ideas that I would never have thought of. That this was a topic that came up on a previous podcast that I was on for somebody else. His name is Etienne Mm -hmm. and he runs an organization called seven CTOs. And I took like a two hour battering from him about how we're doing it all wrong, that we should be talking about mentorship as the key outcome and not like talent development in a pipeline of talent. It's like, you're getting this all wrong. But to your point, I think it does add a lot of value. And that was his argument, add a lot of value to the team um, intrinsically beyond just building a pipeline of new talent that can help your organization down the road, right? So making that investment in the people that mentor, I think, does make a significant impact in making the team more productive and making them a higher performance team because they get some of that, you know, um, leadership experience that you only get through hands-on working with someone and being able to figure out how do you support them in a way that makes sense. Yeah. I also, I'll also say that it's really important to making sure that you have a balance of skill sets on the team. Like one of the things I learned a while ago is if you're if you're getting into this mode where like, you know, a lot of people talk about we only hire A players. Well, frankly, A players can go anywhere they want and That's will true. the moment they're annoyed. And so like it's not that you don't want A players, but you need to have a balanced group because people are going to get bored. They're going to want to move on to other companies. And if you're only hiring the most senior people and you're not hiring any junior people who can sort of come up through the ranks, you're ultimately shooting yourself in the foot. Like I've seen that in teams all over the place. You've got one person who leaves and all of a sudden the team is like in a shambles. 
Um, and you can't have that. You need to be able to have some of those folks who are building their skills as, as the team grows and have that constant influx of new, of new folks. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to have to hire you to be on our biz dev team. <laughs> I'm telling companies this constantly, but they're still like, but I need a senior. I need more seniors. Where do I find a senior? So yeah, seniors don't it's, grow on trees. We have to like yeah. groom them into this position. So yeah. And just because you've got a senior, I've seen so many seniors who just like, don't even have personalities I would want to have on my team too. Like I just, the thing. yeah. If you walk in thinking that, you know, everybody like everything and you can't learn anything, I don't need you on my team. Yeah. Tough situation. So let me ask you this. Who is someone like yourself that you'd like to acknowledge as a leader and would be a great guest on a podcast like this? Uh, so there's actually two folks um, in the Boston area that I absolutely love and admire in this space. So one is my friend, Lisa DeBettencourt. Um, she was VP of design at Confer Health, and now she's a private consultant. And one of the things, like she was one of the pers- one of the people who first really got me thinking about the hiring process that I was engaging in and how to um, advance it to be more inclusive. Um, she did a really great presentation at UXPA Boston a couple of years ago, and it just really changed the way I thought about writing job descriptions and finding people to interview. Um, so she's a really great one. And then Susan Rice, who is the former head of design at Toast, she actually had experience um, when she came to Toast, building the team, like I think tripling the size of the team in a year. And she's, so she's done a lot of, a lot of thinking about hiring and how to find the right people. All right. So those two are now on the radar and I'm so glad that's the Susan Rice that you're talking about and not the Susan Rice that I was thinking about. Cause I was like, there's no way I'm getting Susan Rice in the program. She's just like, that's I'm punching way above my class if I'm shooting for that one. So, like yes. so Lisa and Susan, I will be on the lookout, see if we can get them on the show. Where can we find out more information about your company? Um, so uh, Athena Health is uh, athenahealth.com, um, Athena like the Greek goddess. And uh, we are actually hiring uh, all sorts of roles right now. We have design openings. We have tech openings. We have, I think, some product openings. Um, campuses in Watertown, in Austin, Texas, and Seattle, a bunch of different places, um, so if you go to athenahealth.com slash careers, you can find that. Um, I also am going to be speaking at UX camp, um, Chicago on October 17th on increasing your design influence by understanding your organization's decision-making style. And that's going to be, um, I want to say at chicagocamps.org. Okay. Yes. Chicago, chicagocamps.org. And we'll throw links to all that in the show notes when it goes live. So if people can easily find those references. Awesome. So last and most important question. This is a tough one. What have mm. you been snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? Oh, gosh. Um, does iced coffee count? Yeah, of course. It's awesome. So I'm going to take ingest. it. <laughs> I love it. So iced yeah. coffee. Iced coffee. Although I, I also to- will never say no to a tortilla chip. That's the other, that's the other thing. That's, but those are dangerous because once you take one, (laughs) give me all the rest of the chips. So I don't buy them that often. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. I used to drink a lot of iced coffee when I was at a shop that had a Starbucks machine. It would just be like nonstop. I'd put the ice. We'd have all the like sweeteners and like 
nonstop. Oh, it was yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah. My body was just like, a lot. no more caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again, Danny. I really appreciate no you coming problem. on the program. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The Tech Enabled Apprenticeship Program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash 